Welcome to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. This is a podcast where we explore how the best B2B sales leaders make the complex simple, drive relationships and revenue, and generally elevate the sales profession. In this podcast, we're bringing together sales experts, thought leaders, top account executives, buyers, industry insiders, all to share their experiences and best practices for navigating the complex sales cycle. So whether you're a seasoned sales professional, a sales leader, or just starting out, you're going to find practical insights and actionable advice that you can apply to your old sales journey. Plus, we have a bit of fun. Carol Mahoney gets sales. An entrepreneur at heart, she knows the pressure of needing sales to put food on the table. Once she decided to face that pressure head on, her world changed. A noted sales expert, founder of Unbound Growth, and author of the upcoming book, Buyer First, Grow Your Business with Collaborative Selling, Carol takes us through her transformation from seeing sales as a necessary evil to embracing it and making a true impact for her customers and salespeople around the world. We venture beyond cliche sales strategies and explore the art and science behind sales as a collaboration that drives mutual value and how that really attaches to the personal goals of the seller and the buyer. In addition, we examine the impact and the common strategy of discounting and how that affects sales cultures and the value of salespeople. So let's get the ball rolling. Carol Mahoney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I'm so excited. Well, I mean, you should be. It's the art and science of complex sales. How could you not be excited by being on the show? You had me at art and science, I think. That's what the deal was. Yes, it's a little bit of both, a little bit of both, a little mixture of luck, and uh, it all comes together with a wonderful with a wonderful sale. But mm-hmm. I, uh, you have a fascinating background that we got to get into. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm super excited for everybody to learn from you because um, it's, it, your journey has been very similar to a lot of the steps that I've taken with a, a couple of different turns. And I just think it's awesome. So let's start with the one question I have to ask everybody, though, okay. is you're in sales. Mm-hmm. Define, it, define it for me. Define what is sales. For me, sales is the exchange of value. And if you think about value, so this is the other half of that definition for me, is money is the proof of value. So when someone says, you know, I would love to be able to buy this from you, I know it's so completely valuable, but nope, anything you say after the but, it's like saying, I'm sorry, but doesn't doesn't fly. So for me, an exchange of value is selling and the exchange of money is the proof of that value. So call me maybe is not a an actual, no. no. Uh-uh. So we ha- it has to be actually consummated with with the exchange of money. So what or is some so- type of currency? Because there are other forms of currency, but primarily we're talking about money. Well, so now now you have now you have be going a, a layer deeper. What is value? So when we're talking about the exchange of value, what what how do you define value? So I define value as, um, for example, for me, value is something that you have shared with me that I didn't have before, didn't know before, or hadn't fully considered before. So value is something either that I lack or that I don't have enough of. Okay. So you're bringing, you're bringing additional, how do you define it without using the word, additional uh, impact on my life. You're either yes. reducing friction, either reducing friction, increasing impact, bringing me something that I don't have. Right. So how did you come to that definition? I came to that definition because 
it, through a little bit of, well, maybe more than a little bit, a bunch of research. Um, but I came to that definition because I had to actively address and change my own perceptions towards sales because you mentioned my background. My background is in marketing. I got a degree in marketing. My career started in marketing. And my first version of my business was as a lead generation and marketing agency because I hated the idea of sales. The pushy, slimy, sleazy salesperson that Daniel Pink describes in his book, To Sell as Human, that the majority of us, when we think of sales, think of that used car salesman. Sorry, guys. And it was because of that that I said when my when my college advisor said, you know, you would be really great at sales, and I could don't I said don't even don't even go there. I will not be picking up the phone and interrupting people. I will not be scamming people. I will not be manipulating people. So if you have anything in there that says sales, you can just skip it, and I'll stick to this side of the fence. Thank you. Why do um, I still think here's a, here's a question to interrupt you because okay. I I have to. But why do I still think of a plaid yellow blazer with a with a almost handlebar mustache. <laughs> Why do I still think of that? But I was thinking, exactly. I was going to make the comment. I was going to make the comment of uh, you just didn't want to wear the blazer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I actually love blazers, so no, that's not true. Um, it's too hot for a blazer today. But the thing of it is, is that this is the the image that comes to mind for people. Now, Daniel Pink wrote his book well over a decade ago, and it has not changed all that much. I mean, if you look at like data that comes from Gartner, for example, where the majority of us would rather not talk to salespeople at all. Of course, the, a lot of people cite that study, but what they don't tell you is about the other half of that study that shows that those that didn't talk to a salesperson or deal with a salesperson had a 23% higher purchase regret than those that did. So, you know, while we don't want to talk to salespeople because they didn't add value in the conversation, because they pitch us, they don't listen to us, they don't ask questions, they don't understand... That is why we don't want to interact with salespeople. That is why we see them as pushy, slimy, and sleazy. And so there's this disconnect that happens between buying and selling when we slip into those particular roles. And my theory is that the reason that a social conversation is different from a sales conversation is because of the exchange of value. And that's but when we start seeing the friction. Yeah. And, and, and that's interesting because I think it you could you could almost even get a little bit more specific on that if I'm start to think about it. It becomes about the exchange of money because isn't every good conversation really about an exchange of value? Aren't you generally learning something? Aren't you gen or enjoying something or having or should be or should be? Yeah, unless yeah. you're being completely fake, right? Um, but right. when but when we yeah yeah well, and if you think about it. <laughs> There's a, a part in my book where I talk about our discomfort discussing money. And I've listened to enough sales calls and review of sales calls to see that moment where you have to start asking about budget and ROI and impact on the business and what is that costing you and what is it worth? And this is the price of the solution. That's when you start hearing the, I'll email you the proposal and pricing because they mm -hmm. don't want to talk about it. They don't want to bring it up. And it's on both sides a lot of the times. There's a uh, there's several studies that show that the majority of marriages, 40% of marriages end in divorce because of the discomfort discussing money and the misalignment on finances. That people would rather talk about sex, religion, or politics before they talk about money. That's fascinating. So it... it... <laughs> It because it's so critical, and I've experienced the exact same thing, right? And and as when I was a young salesperson, that was terrifying to me. Mm -hmm. But once once you gain the comfort in discussing it, it leads to so much freedom. Right? Yes, you can actually have a discussion with somebody around stuff because I'm not selling you anything for free, right? <laughs> That's not what what I want to do. And and um, 
So how do people get over that? How do you help them get over that? So one of the ways that, so in my practice in coaching and training salespeople and leaders and managers and business owners is I take a cognitive behavioral approach to it. So a lot of times, if you're familiar with what a cognitive behavioral approach or cognitive behavioral therapy, it is changing a negative mindset towards something so that you can adopt new habits and behaviors towards that particular thing. Again, psychology nerd in the background. It's called the theory of reasoned action or the theory of planned behavior. How we think about a particular task is going to influence and impact whether we do it or how we do it. And so if we're uncomfortable talking about money, we avoid the conversations or we rush through the conversations or we just stay at a very surface level with those conversations because it's uncomfortable to dig deeper. And so one of the psychological techniques that I use in cognitive behavioral therapy, which by the way, I'm not an actual therapist, but I've been to one enough that I feel like I should have the degree, um, is, is called the exposure technique. And so, no, don't go around flashing people, but it's about <laughs> exposing yourself to small things. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make you laugh too hard, Paul. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> Are you awake now? Okay, he's awake hey, now. It's a long day. I am. I'm awake. Hey, everybody, let's, uh, let's talk. I'm the cell. <laughs> So that what the exposure technique is, is exposing yourself to the fears that you have in small, low risk ways, right? So say, for example, let's, let's take money aside, all right? We'll, we'll go back to that. Say, for example, you have a fear of rejection, right? Most people in sales have to face rejection. And as business owners, it's even tougher, I think, because, you know, as a salesperson, you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting the product that I'm selling. It's easy to not take it quite so personally. As a business owner, this is my life's work. This is how I feed my family. This is what I've been, you know, laboring over and dark nights trying to figure out. It's personal to me. And so the rejection feels more personal. But if you are afraid of hearing that no, the easiest way to get over that fear is to find yourself in situations where people are going to have to say no. I actually had one person, I said, I want you to go out on the street corner outside of a coffee shop and just stand there and ask random strangers if you would, if they would by like, if you could buy them a cup of coffee and just have a chat, because you know, the majority of those people are going to look at you like you're crazy and say no, but yeah. it's a low risk situation. You don't know any of these people. They're probably never going to see you again. They don't know who you are. There's not really going to be any sort of backlash to that, hopefully. Um, and so it's just one way, one small way to expose yourself to your fear in a low risk ways. And then you start ratcheting it up a little bit more and a little bit more. So in terms of money, some of the things that I have my clients do are start talking about money more, like at your dinner table, with your family, with your spouse, start there. Actually, one of the exercises that I have them go through when I start working with them is a goal-setting exercise. And in that goal-setting exercise, they, their task is to have a conversation with their significant other, their family, their parents, whomever, about what is it that we want our life to look like in the next six year or two years or three years? What kind of money is involved in taking that vacation and actually planning it out, having a budget and talking over that particular budget with your family, with all of your kids? I remember when I started doing this in my own house, my husband grew up in a very uh, traditional family. Like they didn't argue in front of the kids. They certainly did not discuss money in front of the kids. Now, I, on the other hand, was raised by a single mom where it was paycheck to paycheck. And so the conversation about money was a daily occurrence. 
and but not necessarily a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when I started talking with my kids at the dinner table about money and what we could afford and what we couldn't afford and why, my husband started having issues with that. He's like, this is none of their business. I'm like, it is. It's their house too. And they're asking these questions, then we should be able to give them an answer. And I didn't want them to grow up feeling that it was un- that they couldn't have that conversation with me or with anyone else. So finding those small, safe ways to have more conversations about money in an open and honest way. My sister is one of those people who knows everything about me. Like we've shared everything. She's like, you know, that one person in my life that knows everything. And when she came over to my house one day, she saw that I had a new couch. And now I share everything with her. She comes up to me. She's like, you know, I kind of want to ask you this question. And I understand if you don't want to tell me what the answer is. I totally understand. You don't have to tell me, but how much did your couch cost? I was like, what? Like, how much did my couch cost? I'm like, it cost a thousand dollars. I bought it online. It was super cheap. Meanwhile, my other sister is in the room next door. She's like a thousand dollars. I would never pay a thousand dollars for a couch. Like, this is just the conversation about money that we need to lean into. And so we did. We had this whole conversation about what was a lot and what wasn't a lot. And like, you know, different stages of your life, what what feels like a lot to you and how might you invest or save your money. And I think this is a conversation that we need to be having more inside of our families. Outside of that, you can get, you know, take a literacy course, talk with a wealth advisor, educate yourself about money and how it's used, you know, take a business course and acumen to understand how money flows within a business so that you can feel more comfortable having the conversation. But at the end of the day, you have to find ways to have that conversation in, in regular practice, or when you get into those high stress sales situations, you're going to be less likely to do it there. Well, because what's what's really interesting about that is, is you... Every organization, a family is an organization, right? Right. Uh, and every organization, like it or not, in our society has this has money as a central part of something that it it does, right? It's right. it's even if you're a purpose based organization, you still generally need money to fund it's it. So tool. it's a tool that we all leverage in in all aspects of our life to to do things. Mm-hmm. And when you get it's sounding like is that conversation, that same conversation that you're having with your sisters is very similar to the conversation that you start to have with CEOs, right? Yeah. Is how, what is a lot? How do you, how do you measure that in your business? How do you do other things? And if so that's a great way, that is a really good practical way. And thank you for sharing that just to get everybody here, those tips and tricks on how to, how to make this less Less big and scary. Cause a lot of new sales reps, this is huge. It's big. It's scary. They don't, they don't know what to do. It's just, They've been taught exactly as 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 you they uh, as others they have grown up in in ways that you just don't talk about money. Yeah. And the thing that makes it even worse that this is one of those I I call it out as the things that companies try to solve for they cause. Like they're causing the very issues that they complain about and are trying to solve for. So money being one of those things. When you are at the all right here we are it's like what the end of June right now and we're recording this. And so it's the middle of the year, the end of the month, the the midpoint of the year, the pressure is on to close the deals. And so what is the go-to strategy? Make it to happen, give them a discount. And it just feeds into this poor mentality around money and the value of money when when we make that the pressure point from manager to salesperson to make something happen. And I mean, it's just something that's so ingrained. I like, you know, I talked about the sales calls that I review where they say, I'll email you the proposal and the pricing. Well, it's also those same sales calls when they do talk about the pricing there, they're like, well, you know, it's $10,000, but you know, for this, that, and the next thing we can discount it to this because we're running the special offer. Like just stop, just 
stop. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Don't say the other part. Just stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You're you're sitting there and you're like, or you're watching somebody fall over a cliff and you're trying to reach them, grab and be like, yeah, Yeah. I'm that person listening to the call, swelling and screaming (laughs) at the screen and nobody can hear me. Like, really? Yes. No, you did it. Just you don't need to promise. It's not going to make this better. So you took a and let's dive into because that was a great I call them oil wells. We we dove deep, right? Let's and we dove deep in money. Let's go back. Let's backtrack a little bit. You into your career, and you were in. You ran a marketing agency. Yeah. You were you were a seller owner of the marketing agency. You knew everything was going. How did that then transform you into this love of sales and and being <laughs> the author of a sales book and and diving in there because we just talked about schmarmy salespeople and now market and marketing agency. And now it's kind of your catapulted and, and transformed yeah. into this idea of we're going to transform the sales world. It's, it's all right. So this is the shortest version of the story. I hit a point in my business where I pretty much hit rock bottom. I, you know, I wasn't able to afford, you know, credit cards were maxed out. I had, you know, mortgage hadn't been paid groceries. I needed to get, it was Christmas time. I couldn't afford to get groceries or Christmas presents for my kids. My husband and I had just gotten married. I'm in tears and he's trying to console me. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I thought this whole idea of running and starting my own business and designing my life the way I wanted to, maybe it's just going to have to wait. Maybe I just need to suck it up and go get a job and get some savings in the bank, get some more connections. You know, lots of entrepreneurs have a side hustle until they can make it through. That's just what I'm going to have to do. And so I went out and I started doing the job searches and doing the interviews and, you know, really wasn't, you know, everything was in Boston, which is two hours away from me, which meant even more time away from home. My kids were still young. That was one of the reasons I wanted to start my own business so that I could telework and bring them to school and spend more time with them, which I wasn't doing because I was so stressed out trying to get the business going. And so my sister introduced me to her boss who worked at a media company that was local here in Maine, and they were looking for a content marketing director, which I could do in my sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he introduced, you know, she introduced me to him. We sat down, we had the interview and he's very candid with me because he knew my sister. He knew me. He said, you know, th- I'm, I'm having a hard time deciding between you and one other candidate. I happen to know who the other candidate was because I was actually friends with his wife. And he said, I, I just don't know who to choose. How, who would you, what would you do? And I was like, well, that's kind of an odd question to ask in an interview. And of course, in my brain, I'm like, well, you should hire me because I need the job. And I paused, very big, powerful pause, and thought for a moment. And I'm like, okay, this is my sister's boss. I really don't want to make her look bad. I don't want to put him in a bad situation. And I certainly don't want to go into a job that I'm going to hate. And then it's going to just be a blow up of everything. And so I said, you know, what is the most important aspect of this job for you that's not in the job description? He said, the most important aspect is, is that I need this person to be comfortable going to all of the sporting events that we're going to sponsor and, and working those events, working with the administrative staff, setting up the booths, doing all of that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I could do that. But I know this guy lives for it. I know that he does it day in and day out, that that's what he loves to do. He's already a part of that entire scene. And so I said, you know, I think that you should really hire him. And he's like, I didn't expect that answer. He's like, thank you so very much for making this decision easier for me. And what can I do? Who can I introduce you to, to help you to market your own services? I know I'm going to know someone. And he ended up sending me referrals and introductions that helped me pretty much buy groceries and pay the bills. And I remember telling my husband later on that night, 
like, I don't even know how that happened. Like, I don't even know what was different. He goes, it sounds like you just need to stop selling people in order to get more customers. And I was like, huh? How do you do that? And like, it, so it set me down this whole path of like, maybe I need to think about sales, not as what I want about it, what I need from it, that I need to get the sale. What if I make it more about them and what they need? And it seems like something that's such a simple thing, but when you're in the throes of rock bottom and not being able to pay your bills and your husband can't even afford to buy a six pack of beer on the way home at night and you're like, he's going to leave me because he can't get a six pack of beer. Like that's a really hard choice to make. And so I started digging into kind of that, the psychology and the science behind decision-making and what are people value in sales conversations and what are the mindsets that are getting in my, that were getting in my way of doing that? You know, I was emotionally involved in the deal. I had a need for approval. I wanted them to see me as smart and capable in a certain way. And all of that was preventing me from being active a listener, from asking really good questions because I was putting myself before everything. I was wrapped up in my own head. All of these things were going on. So I hired a sales coach and with working with that sales coach, I started to change those beliefs and change those mindsets. And with it, I started changing other things too. So in order to change those beliefs and mindsets, I had to do things like take better care of myself, meditate, do yoga, get exercise, eat healthy, which then led to me losing like 105 pounds as a result. So it wasn't just sales success that I saw, but also applying the same concepts to my own physical health actually played a role in it as well. And it was through all of that that I started to learn that selling isn't something we do to other people. I'm going to sell you on this. I'm going to convince you on that. I'm going to persuade you in all of this. It's something we do with them, which goes back to that exchange of value. It's a back and forth. It's a collaboration, which ironically is the very thing that buyers are looking for in sellers today. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. No, that is so cool. Um, thank you for sharing that. That is a that's a an amazing life you've lived. I'm not gonna say it's a story because it's the truth <laughs> and it's amazing life you've lived and, and amazing realizations. I always say, and our definitions for sales are a little bit different. I'm gonna tell you mine because I think okay. it because I think you personify it, right? Uh, with with what you, I, I think it's three things. I think it's uh, service, leadership, and wayfinding. And when I say service, it's helping other other people get what they want, uh, yeah. but don't or what they need, not necessarily what they want, right? So mm -hmm. get what they need. So I I take them with the the best interest in mind, and that's what it sounded like you learned. The second is leadership, which is how do I how do I help them achieve their vision. Right. So how do I take that vision? So it's what they need, where they want to go. And then wayfinding is how do I find that path uh, between them? But it sounds like you just grabbed a hold of that. And uh, and that's where I think it changes from a schmarmy, yes. a schmarmy thing to a calling. Right. It, it truly is. It becomes a it becomes a calling and, and how you can impact people's lives. And yeah, how do you coach? How do you coach young people on that, though? Because they have to take their own journey in that transformation, right? And how, how do you coach them in, in terms of taking that and moving th moving things forward and see, not seeing it as a job, but seeing it as, as something that can truly be impactful? You know, one of the other definitions that I have of sales is that sales is the connection between problems and solutions. Salespeople are the ones that bridge the gap between the two. And that is what makes the world a better place, right? Is when you can bridge the gap between a problem and a solution, when you can be that change agent for the better, 
then that makes the world a better place. And that is something I find a lot of younger people, especially today, can get behind because mm-hmm. they see what's wrong with the world today, thank God, and want to do something about it, but don't always know what or how, or nobody wants to listen to them. And so a lot of them for sales is a way that they can start to make that impact in the world in a different way. And the other thing I do with especially younger salespeople, and this is something I would encourage every single individual contributor, manager, leader, business owner, and entrepreneur to do is to have identified what are my personally meaningful goals to do anything to make these. Because this is, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about, there's a lot of inner work that needs to happen. And that's a lot harder to do than picking up a new sales hack or new sales trick. You know, like my bookshelf is full of them. And not that they're not valuable and not useful, but again, if if your mind isn't in the right place, then you're not going to be able to execute on whatever skill or tactic or new thing it is that you need to do because it's just going to come off as smarmy, like you said. It's why so many people fail at the challenger sale and end up just sounding like a jerk because their head's not in the right place. And so for younger people, I say, you know, identifying what are your personally meaningful goals are and quantifying those, putting a plan behind those, and then sharing that with others and reporting to those to motivate themselves to, to go and do some things that are different, right? So it's not just about being in president's club, a lot of them for that's a personally meaningful goal because it's validation that they can do this thing. Or I even had one one of my coaching clients say, getting into president's club will prove to my father that I can do it without his help. <laughs> that was a personally meaningful goal behind something that it seems like everybody else is just doing because that's the thing to do. And so helping them identify what, what does it mean for them And then how does serving others, helping customers to reach their goals, help you to achieve your goals? Because at the end of the day, let's face it, uh, someone who's selling marketing automation software is not getting up in the morning, excited to put their feet on the floor to meet or break their quota to sell more marketing automation software. No, sorry. Mm -hmm. But in meeting that quota, helping others to solve their problems so that they can reach their goals while they reach their own personal goals. Now, that's something they might be able to get behind. I amen. I it's one of the one of the reasons why I love uh, uh, that attracted me actually to membrane. And this is not about membrane, but it's the 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 vision right is yeah. is to elevate the sales profession. And so to go out and find people that want to do that and want to do that continually, right? To give the sales profession that name of leadership, service, and wayfinding, and and truly be excellent at their craft and help. Uh, be able to meet their goals, hit their revenue goals while doing that, that, mm-hmm. that becomes something that's, that to me is uh, like truly exciting. Right. Yeah. And so every company has that as a part of them. And that's not, this is not just a membrane thing. Every company has that as a part of them. How do you coach leaders on, in terms of like that, a leader of a marketing automation software, a leader of a, uh, uh, you know, an industrial manufacturing software, how do you coach them to, to drive that vision home and then connect it to connect it to the individuals. Yeah. So first in having the leader themselves go through the same exercise, what's their personally meaningful goals? Um, I've been, I work with a company that does large scale printing and I, I'm saying this because I often take for granted how powerful this exercise is because I've just been doing it for so long that it's just like, it's almost like a, I feel like a throwaway thing for me. 
but it was actually recently uh, the the president of the company. I had him actually go through this exercise, and he's like, it was completely eye opening for him. He's like, I've always had all of these things swirling around in my head about what I wanted to do, and yeah, we had the business numbers about why we wanted it to be successful, but I never actually tied my personal goals to the business goals and how the business goals enable me to do these personal goals. You know, like he wanted to be able to help. Uh, to create a sort of a coaching consultancy for other small business owners in his industry because they have a relatively large company. So this was something that he wanted to personally do. But in order for him to do that, the company needed to be set up and needed to be efficient enough that it wasn't going to suck all of his time to be able to do that. And of Mm -hmm. course, he needed to be able to monetarily support that. And so for him, in sharing that with his team of why this is why growth for the company is important for me, because this is what I want to be able to do. And then encouraging them to all share what their personal goals were. And it ranged from, you know, sending my kids to college to taking care of my parents to, you know, spending more time on the golf course so that I can, you know, get some more exercise in. Everybody was sharing what their reasons were and then how reaching the business goals enabled them to get to their personal goals and they could celebrate those things together that created a whole other dynamic in their sales culture where it wasn't just about hitting the numbers. It was about supporting each other to reach their personal goals by hitting those numbers. That is pure. That is, that is fantastic. Hey, I I'm going to, I, I, that is, that's just awesome. And that's where it becomes life-changing. Right. And yeah. so tell me, let's dive in a slightly different direction. Cause I want to spend the last, uh, last, five or six minutes that we have together on your book. So you have a book coming out and uh, tell me a little bit about that and what, what drove you to, to write that. I mean, this was the book that I wish I had when I was hitting rock bottom in my own business, 15 or whatever, 20 years, it was 20 years ago now um, that just didn't exist. And I wrote the book for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and individual contributors who've tried, you know, all of the books, all of the tricks, all of the hacks, all of the ABCs of methodologies to try to get more customers and clients and are frustrated because they don't understand why what seems to be working for everyone else in the books and the podcasts and everything else doesn't necessarily work for them. And they don't know what it is that they're doing wrong. And probably thinking to themselves, if someone would just give me this step-by-step process to do and guarantee me that it's going to work, then I'll do it except they won't because what they don't realize is it's their beliefs. It's their mindsets towards sales that get in their way of doing the things that they know that they could and should do and are able to do, but they don't do them in the moments that they need to, right? They offer the discount without even thinking about it. They go into their pitches too soon. You know, they spam people with all of these outreach messages that are all about them because that's what they've been told to do. And so they just kind of blindly do it, even though they might be making themselves do it, even though they feel squishy and slimy doing it, but they have to in order to pay their bills. So this book is about helping them to identify what are the specific mindsets that are getting in their way? How do they recognize them? And then what are the small daily behaviors that they can start or habits that they can start building to start to change their beliefs and their mindsets? Because it's not something that happens overnight. And then, and then with that, What are the behaviors that buyers value? What are the actual things that you need to do in your conversations as you're working and supporting and changing those beliefs and mindsets to do that? So I've basically taken decades of psychological and behavioral research about how we change our behaviors and make it stick, along with 
the decision science of how buyers prefer to buy today and put them into one book so that people know what is it this what is the hidden thing that is getting in your way of doing the behavior that your buyer actually values so we give them exercises we're giving them questions to ask in each phases of the of the sales and buying process how do you align your sales process to your buyers how do you dig in and find out more about them and then how do you actually take all of that? And my hope and my my wish is that by the end of this book, that someone will have found their next customer or client or about to. That sounds awesome. Count me in. And I'm so glad that we're a part of this journey and that we've 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 been able to have this chat. Um, I can't wait to to release this and get it out to everybody. How do people how do people find you if they want to find you? So LinkedIn is the place where I spend the majority of my social media time. So you can definitely follow me there. Click on the little bell to get the updates from me. Um, If you want to reach out and connect with me, just let me know that you saw me on Paul's podcast so that I know that you're an actual human. Um, And you can also go to my website. Uh, so if you go to carolmahoney.com, C-A-R-O-L-E-M-A-H-O-N-E-Y, and you can t- uh, click on the books tab, you'll see that you can order the book there. Uh, if you haven't already, we have some bonus materials coming out for people. Um, and you can definitely connect with me through other social media channels there as well. Super exciting. Congratulations on, on the journey and uh, and the perseverance that it took to, to learn these lessons. And thank you for putting them down into a book to help each other and to come on the pod and do it. Can yeah. we have you back again? Please. Yes, do. I call this okay. book my, if I get hit by a bus insurance policy, that at least all of my mistakes <laughs> have been documented for someone else. <laughs> Well, don't get hit by a bus. That's the best, the best advice I've given you all day. Um, <laughs> In the only, uh, so we can have you back on. That would be awesome. Um, well, thank you again for coming on. And with that, everybody, we are going to close this episode of the Art and Science of Complex Sales. We will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. This podcast is sponsored by Membrane and our partners from around the globe. Here at Membrane, we believe that B2B sales is at a crossroads. Due to decades of quantity-based prospecting, information overload, and really a shift towards efficiency over service and pitching over leadership in sales, customers are saying enough is enough. They're tuning out average performers and choosing to take most of the buying journey on their own. This results in up and down sales results, forecasts that are all over the place, and salespeople that are half committed due to the fact that they're having poor results and they have an inability to truly connect with customers. We believe the road successful companies are taking to combat this is threefold. Number one, training to create leaders and executives across all areas of the team with strong habits and sales methodologies that bring value. Number two, technology. Technology that focuses and helps a salesperson succeed and reinforces great habits rather than wasting their time on filling out fields for reporting or wasting their time on spamming customers that have no interest in ever buying. Third, talent. And I'm talking about talent that's empowered and emboldened to make a difference for their customers and their companies. So where are you on that journey? Membrane and our network of partners across the globe are here to help and to elevate the sales profession. We streamline critical technology by combining CRM, training and enablement, and more into one seamless platform. We drive best-in-class methodologies through our partners. They provide the top thought leadership methodologies and resources from across the globe. And our collective efforts are dedicated to recruiting, training,
training, coaching, and empowering, and measuring the habits of the top teams in the world to ensure success. Join us at Membrane.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening.